And good evening, producer Susan. How are you doing tonight? Good evening, Jersey Joe. How are you? Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Did you get any Valentine's Day cards or presents or anything? Not yet. Not yet. The night is young, huh? All right. Um, you getting any snow out there? We got 60 some degree weather here. We're still waiting for our first snowfall. Not yet. It, it was a beautiful day and I heard rumor it's going to hit 60 tomorrow. Yeah, same here. It's like spring. All right. All right. You ready to rock and roll? Let's do it. I'm wondering if I have enough to fill to fill the head, the 30 minutes. What do you think? I'm guessing you probably have enough to fill 60 minutes. <laughs> All right. For uh, first time listeners, it's the situation with Jersey Joe. It's news and perspective. You won't hear on TV. You're going to hear some news stories. I guarantee that you haven't heard on the evening news. And you'll hear some per some perspective on stories that you have heard, but maybe you only heard one side of the story. Um, so here we go. We're going to start off with the quote of the day by one of our better known senators on the importance of having a father in the home. And the reason I want to lead with that quote is I want to tell you about a very, very sad story about a young man um, who was killed in Denver uh, last week. Uh, he was involved in a crime and he wound up dead. And I, and uh, I'm willing to bet that young man didn't have a father living in the house with him. Um, in our new segment, the stupidest thing I've heard all week, I'll let you know what an MSNBC commentator said about the, Michigan State University shooting on Monday. I'm sure you've heard about that. Yeah, I actually, um, I have colleagues that work there, uh, very close colleagues who were very close to the situation. And oh, they... it's a terrible, sad, tragic situation. And we'll talk a little bit about, after I tell you about this, what this stupid commentator said, we'll talk a little bit about the background and the suspect. Um, We'll tell you why a New Hampshire school district has decided to discontinue use of urinals in all school buildings. Um, your your college hasn't discontinued urinals in the men's room, have they? Nope. Well, give it time. It may happen. But I uh, will say we also have an abundance of, um, what is the word am I looking for? Je um, transgender well it's it's not meant it's it's they could be for for family restrooms it could be oh, okay. for right. any sort of privacy you want we have a variety of those restrooms available for people who don't want to share a public restroom well good and as long as we're talking about colleges i'll tell you about a proposal by uh, senators elizabeth warren and bernie sanders uh they're going to try to let to legislate and make and prevent college students from making prevent college students from making stupid decisions through legislation. So how do you think that's going to turn out? Yeah. <laughs> um, in our health minute, uh, we'll tell you about how uh, programs designed to provide taxpayer funded universal health care to all residents are collapsing in countries around the world. Uh, everything's, oh yeah, well, single payer universal health care. That's all. That's all we need. That'll fix all of our problems. I want to tell you about the ugly side of universal health care. Um, and uh, what's happening to people who are living under that um, and why and why a lot of those people leave their countries where health care is free to come to places like the United States to pay for it. We'll tell you about a European power company that's been using diesel generators to power their wind turbines. That makes a lot of sense, right? Burn burn diesel uh -huh. fuel to keep your wind I feel like that's a bit of an oxymoron. <laughs> uh, we have a topic from last week that we never got to. I, uh, Last week, the uh, ATF uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms released volume two of their uh, study about uh, how many guns are stolen and what the how many are recovered and and where they're recovered. Uh, we ran out of time, but we'll try to get to that uh, this week. 
And our taxpayer relief shot comes from East Hartford, Connecticut, where a store clerk uh, shot and killed one of two armed robbers after being shot and wounded himself. Ever been to Hartford? Uh, I was born in Hartford. You were born in Hartford. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is close to home then. All right. So our quote of the day, this is you may know who you may know who said this, but it's about the importance of fathers. And I'm going to I'll read the quote first without telling you who, who it was. And as you listen to this, see if you can think of the senator who who uh, made this quote. He gave it on Father's Day. Um, and here's the quote. We know the statistics that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. They are more likely to be have, to have behavioral problems or run away from home or become teenage parents themselves. And the foundations of our community are weaker because of it. Do you remember who said that? You said it was a senator, former senator. Former senator. Not a current, was that Barack Obama? Senator Barack Obama on Father's Day, 2008. Now, why is that relevant to my first story? And while this could have been a taxpayer relief shot story, it is too tragic. Uh, and I'm going to play the actual news clip. A young man in uh, Denver last week steals a guy's car. But it's one of these cars like mine where you can sign up for the, G the where's my car locator service. You know, the car's got the GPS so a guy's car gets stolen. He looks on his phone. He sees where his car is. It's not too far away. He has a buddy drive him over there. So he goes over with his spare key. He's going to take his car back. But he's also smart enough to know that whoever this guy is is a crook and he might need it. So he takes his own gun. When he gets there, he finds the crook sitting in his car. And he so his buddy pulls up, blocks the car in. He gets out, starts yelling, get out of my car. The thief gets out of the car and starts shooting at him. And he shoots back and kills the thief. Now, it, normally that would have been a pretty good taxpayer relief shot story, right? Would, would that would have been a good taxpayer yeah, relief shot story, right? It, it certainly sounds like it's justified. Sure. You know, bad, you know, uh, good guy with gun kills thug with gun. But here's what makes it tragic. And here's how it ties into the story. They say a 12-year-old boy dead after auto theft escalates. Let me, say let me back that up. It's the first words are very important. Different police say a 12-year-old boy dead tonight after auto theft escalates. Police say it started Sunday. The vehicle owner reported the theft from the 8300 block of East Northfield Boulevard and was tracking his stolen vehicle. He found his stop near West 12th and North Decatur Street. Police say gunfire was exchanged when that car owner approached and then the boy inside that car drove away. Officers were able to find him. He had been shot. He went to the hospital, but later died. He was 12 years old. Wow. The victim who shot that kid has been in contact with police, has not yet been arrested. This investigation is ongoing. Police say other people did run from that stolen vehicle. Wow, 12 years old. 12 years old. Now, so you're 12 years old, you're stealing cars, and you're carrying a loaded gun, and you decide to get into a gunfight with the car's owner. Yeah. What do you think the odds are that there that there was a father living in the same house with that boy? He he definitely I feel like may have been lacking a significant role model in his life. Yeah. There was a they had a, another story where they interviewed the boy's mother but the only quote was from the mother. There was no 
interview with the boy's father. So I'm now again, this is speculation. I do not know for an absolute certainty that the, that there was no father in this boy's life, but uh, I am I'm willing to give anybody ten to one odds that wants to bet me a hundred bucks that there was no father living in that house with the boy because clearly what father would, you know, what 12 year, what father would raise a kid. So he's out at night with a gun stealing cars. Uh, I just don't, don't see how that could possibly happen. Um, any thoughts on 12 year old kids with guns? Yeah. There's, there's something not right there. And with that situation, Right. And, and by the way, and and it's not and not that it excuses a, a 22 year old boy either, but that that young of age, there's something not right there. Yeah. And it's just it's just absolutely tragic that, you know, kids as young as 12 are. Well, you heard, uh, I think, two weeks ago, the, the six year old in Virginia brought a brought a gun to school and shot the teacher mm -hmm. in the hand. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And there was, uh, from what I understand, many warning signs about that situation, too. Right. So it's just, you know, we, and in that case, by the way, that was just a stupid parent who left a, a, you know, a loaded gun accessible to a six-year-old kid. Uh, in the case of the 12-year-old, I'm sure maybe the mother didn't even know the kid had the gun, but still, you know, I, I guarantee you, I, I've never met uh, a father, you know, who would uh, would not provide supervision over a 12-year-old that he'd be out stealing cars at night. Well, right. going back to the Virginia shooting, though, I think there were there's many other fails that happened in that story. Uh, with school administration and, and oh, warning signs. Yes, the kid has he, there are all sorts of problems. The school failed. The mother failed. Um, but I think that, by the way, the mother was criminally negligent. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go on to Michigan. So if you, I'm sure everybody's heard um, on Monday, um, there was a shooting in, in uh, Michigan, the campus Michigan State. A shooter came on campus, uh, shot, I think, six or seven students. I think three are dead. Others are in critical condition. Uh, he eventually um, shot himself, committed suicide. But it turns out um, that he was a convicted felon uh, who was not legally uh, allowed to purchase or own a handgun. Uh, it was a, He was a black man, convicted felon, um, was not legally allowed to own or 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 possess a handgun. Um, so here's what, you know who Joe Scarborough is on MSNBC? I've heard the name. Okay, here's what Joe Scarborough said about the shooting. And he's going, and here's the stupidest thing I've had all week. Well, we've already asked this question. Uh, now you heard about the, uh, you heard about the Michigan shooting that happened on Monday. Did you hear about the mass shooting on Saturday and the one on Sunday? No. Do you hear about the seven we had the week before? No. How about the seven the week before that? No. Well, then here's then let me know if you think this is stupid. Here was this quote this morning. We have more than one mass shooting in this country every day. Again, we have more than one mass shooting in this country every day. And again, we've talked about this before, mass shooting you know, four more killed by a single shooter at random in a public place. No, Joe Scarborough, we don't have more than one mass shooting in this country every day. This is the perspective. When I talk about the show open perspective, if you don't know any better, you'll believe idiots like Joe Scarborough, who said we have more than one mass shooting in this country every day. No, we don't. Um, I think this is the first one this week. And I think we had, if I'm not mistaken, only one in January. 
but this is the type of propaganda you'll hear. Um, and and this the situation the, the the horrible situation that happened last night at, at at Michigan State is the true definition of a mass shooting. Yes, that's the true definition of a mass shooting. Guy at random, you know, starts shooting public place. Um, and by the way, here's a quote. The guy's name was, uh, the shooter's name was Anthony Dwayne McRae. McRae um, previously arrested on gun-related charges in 2009 in Lansing, Michigan. He pleaded guilty, but never served time. Remember last week we talked about uh, not serving time and the, the mm -hmm. child rapist getting off with six months? Yeah. He was placed on probation in 2019, discharged um, in May of two, from probation in 2021. Uh, court records indicate he could not legally own or possess a weapon during the time of his own pro probation. So Scarborough, by the way, went into that rant about more than one mass shooting every day that we need as a prelude to, we need more, quote, common sense gun control laws. When I get to the ATF report, we're going to talk about how many hundreds of thousands of guns are stolen in this country every year. My question is, what new constitutional, quote, common sense gun law do you think would have precluded this convicted felon. Do you think he walked into a gun shop to buy that gun? I, if I had to guess, he probably stole it from someone or bought it illegally. Or bought it illegally. I, can, I cannot think of a single, quote, constitutional gun law that would have prevented this felon from ac from gaining access to the gun he used. Because clearly uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't buy it legally because he would have never passed a background check. I'm, I'm sure it was a, it'll turn out it was a stolen gun. Um, so I just don't know when these idiot commentators talk about, we need more gun control laws because of, to stop things like this, uh, my, my challenge to them is go ahead, name me the constitutional law that would have prevented this guy from getting that gun. All right. Do you want to move on to something a little bit lighter? Yes. Let's lighten the mood here. All right. Uh, in Milford, New Hampshire, the school board has decided to ban the use of urinals in uh, boys' bathrooms and locker rooms. Are you curious as to why they decided to do that? I have a pretty good idea as to why. Well, the school decided that their, all of its facilities should be gender neutral. Uh, but then they decided since they would have biological females um, potentially using uh, uh, what was formerly the boys' bathrooms and boys' locker rooms, that they were concerned that any student who identified as a female who decided to, to who might decide to use what was formerly a boys' restroom or locker room should not have to be exposed to the sight of male genitalia. So therefore, the use of previously installed urinals in those bathrooms would be discontinued and that all students could only use stalls with doors whenever they needed to urinate. The urinals in those schools will be blocked and decommissioned. So that's the road you go down when you say we're gender neutral and we have no gender. So what do you think of uh, gender neutral, no more urinals? Because they might be offended. My thought is if you're transgender and you say I identify as a male, then you know seeing male genitalia comes part and parcel with that decision. What's your thought? It's, and I don't know a whole lot about it, but it is my understanding that if somebody is transitioning part of the psychological aspect of that before any surgery will be done is that you need to, first of all, I don't think it should be done on a child period, but that's a whole nother conversation that you need to integrate yourself wholly into your chosen sex for one full year. And I think integrating yourself into your chosen sex includes using 
restrooms that have urinals. Yeah. And if, and if you're going to see a guy with a penis in his hand, well, Hey, that's what being a, being a guy is all about, you know, by mm-hmm. the way, not, not a, you probably wouldn't know this, but not every men's room has dividers between the urinals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so uh, I trust me, I've, I've been in, in, uh, in restrooms with urine. In fact, in some, in some of the uh, arenas, they actually just don't even have urinals. They actually have a trough. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say in our stadium, we actually do have troughs in our stadium because it's, it's old school. And yep. then I think I actually sent you this football season. I sent you a photograph of what is it called? It's um, I forget the word they use, but it's basically a, a porta potty um, for like 12 men at one time because yep. it's and- essentially a trough system, but it's a, a urinal, a porta potty urinal. Yeah, it's trough. just a tw- it's just a twelve foot long trough, and you're there. Shoulder- it's round. It's like octagon. That's right. It's, you're right. It's round. So you're not just left and right. You're, you're looking across. It's like a, a it's a circle. So you're you're looking across. <laughs> you're there urinating into the into the into the. It's like one of those big hand washing uh, things they have. Yeah. Uh, you know, the circular. So you're there, and you know, eight feet on the other side, there's another guy, and you're you you're looking at each other while you're both urinating. So. Yeah. So listeners, next time you're out at a massive sporting event or fair or outdoor event where porta potties are present, look for these giant circular uh, porta potties. That is basically a giant circular trough for men. (laughs) Well, well, that's the state of that's where we are, that we're all gender neutral now, but we don't want to offend anybody. So guys can't use urinals anymore. All right. Mm -hmm. So now we all know, uh, you know, that, by the way, if you're 18, um, you can vote, you can join the military, you can enter into legally binding contracts, and you get married without your parents' permission, right? You're an adult, right? Yep. And if you're going to college, shouldn't that indicate that you're reasonably intelligent if you decided, I want to go on to, to a higher education? Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, many uh, higher ed institutions, um, because many children or students are 17 when they enter college, uh, colleges actually view the 17-year-olds as adults in, in right. the cases of uh, FERPA and higher education uh, issues. Right. Yes. Uh, so clearly you're an adult and you can make this, you can make adult decisions. You know, clearly voting is a big adult decision. Now, we've all heard stories about people who have borrowed sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year to go to some no-name college and they study for four or five years and they come out with a degree in something like gender studies or art history. Now, I don't, I don't want to denigrate art history. And if you want to go to work for the Smithsonian or the Museum of Not, you know, Museum of Art in New York City, yes, but you don't do it by going to Podunk University. I mean, if you want to go to work in a museum in, you know, in their art department, uh, you don't do it by by going to Podunk University and squeaking by with a C minus average and gender studies. So and and I've I, th- I think I've told the story that I used to go to a Starbucks uh, on a regular basis. I got to know the manager. One day I said, hey, by the way, uh, Frank, you know, how many people here have college degrees? And he said, of the 16 people that work here, 11 are college, 11 are college graduates. Um, and this is what happens when you spend $60,000, $70,000 a year to go to a no-name college and get a degree and get a degree that has no market value. Now, those are dumb decisions. But should the federal government be involved in preventing 
people from making stupid decisions? Is that the place of the is that the place for the federal government to protect people from themselves? Nope, not at all. Okay, so here's what they've done. They they want the Secretary of Education um, to enact something called the gainful employment uh, gainful employment rule, and what they want to do is have a rule where the Depart U.S. Department of Education would deny any sort of federal aid to any institution uh, that offers a course of study where it is unlikely that the graduating student would gain gainful employment uh, sufficient to pay for the debt in incurred by acquiring that degree. In other words, if you go, if you spend $80,000 to get a, a, a a degree in gender studies from ABC University in Podunk, Illinois, uh, it's unlikely that you will ever get a job associated with that degree that will pay the pay the debt you've incurred. I just think that is not the place of the federal government. Any thought? Yeah, I think that the government needs to to stick to minding their own business. <laughs> you know, maybe if you get enough uh, stories like that, people, I think they need to, uh, I think one of my other quotes about five or six weeks ago was, I think from Admiral Hyman Rickover that said, we must learn from the mistakes of others because we won't live long enough to make them all all ourselves. Well, I think I think the stories about people who have spent $80,000 to get worthless degrees from uh, from third rate schools, those are those are mistakes that uh, students have to learn. And and again, I just think uh, it is not the place of the federal government to try to outlaw stupidity, but that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, I think we also do, you know, I two things one you can get a valuable degree from a a not name brand school oh absolutely and you can also make a very great career out of degrees like you said you know art history and i think but y'all need to have a plan and and if going to xyz school is the only school you can afford and you you know you can make the most out of yeah. your career most out of your degree and the most no, out of the school you choose and you can, with the right professor, you know, if you learn chemistry at, at Podunk University and they're using the same textbooks and same syllabus and, you know, the same, then, um, you know, whether you, that, that chem, the, what you learned about chemistry in Podunk U is, it will be just as valuable, you know, if you learn chemistry at MIT. Now, MIT will probably, when push comes to shove, if there's competition, clearly the MIT grad is, is going to have an edge over Podunk U, but it doesn't mean what you learned about chemistry at Podunk U is any less valuable than what you learned mm -hmm. about chemistry at MIT. Um, anyway, so let's talk about the failure of uh, both the failures that have occurred and failures that are occurring in terms of universal health care. The most glaring example is Venezuela, which, you know, was one of the first countries to have, quote, free universal health care. When I say free, if nothing is free, it's who pays for it. In the case of all these countries, the taxpayers are paying for it. Case of Venezuela, do you know if you step on a rusty nail in Venezuela right now, you'll die? Do you know why you'll die? Because you probably can't get into a hospital to get a tetanus shot. Well, you can get into the hospital, but because they are they have no money, none of the hospitals have tetanus vaccines. I mean, they don't have the basic fundamental vaccines. Mm -hmm. So a doctor will see you. Yes, you have a tetanus infection, but we don't have any vac tetanus vaccine because our shelves are bare. They can't afford bandages, basic medicines, basic vaccines, 
uh, antibiotics. Uh, they've had to stop all their surgeries. They can't get, um, you talk about, you know, if you need a new hip, a new knee, um, new shoulder, they can't get the um, uh, uh, orthopedic implant. So if you're living in Venezuela, you got a bad, bad he, bad nip. And first, they're not doing any surgeries except under the most extreme emergency, like gunshot or something, because they have no antibiotics to, to treat the wound. Um, so that's why they're not even doing basic surgeries. Now we get to uh, Britain where people are waiting uh, more than eight months in, in Britain for basic care. Well, if, if you get a diagnosis of a cancer before you get can start your chemotherapy it's eight months you could be dead in eight months from cancer you have a bad hip bad knee um let's say you 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 wreck your knee you're in a car accident or something you need a new knee you can barely walk uh in the u.s if that happened you'd have a new knee in three weeks i mean okay you're in a car accident your knee's been destroyed you need a new knee Three weeks later in the United States, you have a new knee. In the UK, for uh, eight months, you're going to be hobbling around. Um, let's see, I'm reading here. Volume claims. Uh, it's, this article from Reason says, simply put, the national health system is collapsing. Physicians and nurses are leaving the profession at an un unprecedented rate, and students are entering other fields. Seven million Britons, more than one in 10, are waiting for treatment. Um, and while COVID certainly accelerated the decay of the NHS, it did not cause it. The system has been showing symptoms of an underlying problem for decades. Indeed, the NHS, National Health System, was destined to, to fail from its very inception. And this is not just true of the NHS, it is true of many of the world's most vaunted government-run healthcare systems. They have deep flaws built into their very design, and now they're showing signs of severe strain. And I'm quoting from this article on Reason. And if you want to, to read the whole thing, um, just go to, just Google Reason, Reason.com. Um, and I'm going all the way back. I'm going to, I want to try to get now to, to Canada, where Canada people in Canada, by the way, in Canada, by in the town I live in, I think uh, I've got uh, three MRI machines within 20 miles of where I'm sitting in, in like some of the provinces like Saskatchewan, they have one MRI machine for the entire province. And if you need an MRI, um, you know, it's, 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 if it let's, let's say it's not an emergency situation, you weren't in a car wreck, but say that your doctor says, well, I want to get an MRI. You'll wait months. And when you finally get your MRI, it might be a 600 mile round trip. Um, to get your MRI. And let me ramble on here a little bit more. Um, okay. I'm going to try to find Canada here and oh, even Sweden. It's a long, long, long story. So here we go. Now people, oh, Sweden and Scandinavia, right? Well, Sweden and the Scandinavian neighbors are often portrayed as paragons of progress and equality. Integral to that dream is universal access to healthcare, uh, in theory, they are, they are universal. No other systems are supposed to be necessary. Yet over the past 20 years, Sweden has seen a robust private market for healthcare grow alongside the public system. It's a clear sign that the country's public insurance system has failed to live up to the ideals. Parallel private markets for healthcare aren't uncommon in developed countries with national healthcare system. 
But given the amount the Swedes pay into the system, Sweden's growing private market might be surprising. Here's a quote. On average, Swedes pay more than half of their income in taxes. When the government takes such a big slice of residents' money, it better deliver great services. Yet Swedes are so desperate for better care, they're willing to tap into their scarce post-tax earnings to seek out private options. The number of Swedes with private insurance has been exploding. In 2001, just 1% of Swedish residents had private health insurance. Today, 7% do. Sweden's public health care system simply isn't able to provide for everyone. Um, and it goes on and on. And in Canada, by the way, people are coming. In Canada, where health care is absolutely 100% free, you have people driving over the border to come to U.S. Uh, for hip and knee replacements, cancer treatments. And all you have to do is Google the phrase Canadians coming to U.S. for medical care. And in fact, I'm going to do that right now. Let's see how many hits I get. Canadians traveling to U.S. for medical care. Uh, I probably need to spell Canadians without an S in it, right? <laughs> Canadian. There's an A after that. Canadians. All right. And I've only got uh, one million three hundred hits, so it's just really. Uh, uh, so just, uh, um, so just Google that, and you'll see it. Now it looks like once again we're running out of time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> surprise, surprise, right? Um, I'll, and then Scotland, by the way, wind day had a cold snap, and the wind wasn't blowing. So the uh, Scottish Power Authority was using diesel-powered generators to keep their wind turbines wind turbines sp spinning during a cold spell. I won't go into the into the details, but you can just Google Scottish Power Authority diesel generators to turn wind turbines. It's just it's just it, it's if it it's just ironic that they're burning diesel fuel to keep their wind turbines spinning. Um <laughs> why not just burn the diesel fuel? <laughs> <laughs> well, you would think so, right? But no, they wanted to keep them spinning. So, and by the way, and they didn't tell the residents that they were doing that. They tried to keep it a secret. Oh, look, our, our turbines are spinning. No, uh, they're only spinning because they're, they're being spun by diesel generators. All right. Um, ATF study, I'll, I, there's a whole, we'll talk about this um, again in maybe next week. But here's the highlights. The ATF reported that 1.1 million guns were reported stolen from homes and vehicles from 2017 to 2021. That's four years. That's a quarter of a million guns per year. Um, 1.1 in four years. That's, by the way, only reported. Not every stolen gun makes it into the ATF. Uh, if some of these little rural police departments, if you say my house was robbed and I stole two of my guns, I guarantee you that that report is not going to make it to the ATF. Uh, the better estimate is that half a million guns are stolen every year, and that the inventory of stolen guns on the street of this country is in excess of $10 million, excuse me, 10 million units. So there's 10 million stolen guns floating around out there. So, and if you're a crook, I think I mentioned this last week, the re female reporter in Chicago was talking to the gangbangers and he, she asked one of them who had a mask on, face mask, 
how tough is it to get a gun? And he told her $30 and, and 30 minutes. Do you want one? So when we talk about more gun control, keeping guns out of the hands of, of criminal criminals, um, call me skeptical because, by the way, here's one more statistic. About 16,000 pe people are murdered by handguns in this country every year, according to the uh, FBI annual crime report. We have 420 million guns estimated in this country. If you divide 16,000 gun murders by 420 million, you know what percentage you come up with? Oh, I don't. I, I need a calculator to do that math. <laughs> well, I already did it for you. The percentage is 0 0.003, three thousandths of 1%, 0 0.003. Of, of the guns in this country were used to murder somebody last year. So the inverse of that number is 99.997%, which means out of the 420 million guns in this country, 99.997% weren't used to murder anybody last year. Can you name of any other dangerous control uh, device or substance that has a 99.997% uh, effective safety record? Not off the top of my head. Not even vehicles. Vehicles don't even come close. All right. Since we're running tight on time, taxpayer relief shot, I'm going to skip. I'll just let the sheriff uh, from Santa Rosa County explain what a taxpayer relief shot is. And here we go. If I can find my cursor. Somebody's breaking in your house. You're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. Hopefully, you'll save taxpayers money. All right. And that was uh, Sheriff of Santa Rosa County. We also have the sheriff from uh, Grady Judge from Florida. And here's a Grady Judge. Says. I would highly suggest that if a looter breaks into your home, comes into your home while you're there to steal stuff, that you take your gun and you shoot him. You shoot him so that he looks like grated cheese. All right. And now let's go to East Hartford. And hopefully this will play. I had it all teed up. Hopefully we won't have to sit through the, I won't have to vamp while we go through the, uh, and they typically perceive these things with an ad. Oh, there, is, there is a 10 second ad here. I'm gonna have to vamp through. Um, all right, so we got, Four seconds to go, and here we go. In East Hartford, a robbery victim shooting and killing one of the suspects after he was shot himself. It happened last night at the Humble and Paid Come on Main Street. A second suspect still on the run. News 8's Eva Zamaris is live in East Hartford with the latest. Eva. Good evening to the two of you. East Hartford police tell me they are treating this as a self-defense case. The store owner was also shot. He has non-life-threatening injuries, and now police are trying to piece this all together. When Navdeep Singh arrived at his family's store, Bruno's Liquors, Friday morning, came in and saw the cops. East Hartford police were at the business across the street, humble and paid company. I know the guy, the owner, um, well. I was just really hoping if anything didn't happen to him. Around 10.30 Thursday night, East Hartford police say two men wearing ski masks entered the clothing store on Main Street with the intent of robbing it. There was a brief struggle between the store owner and uh, one of the suspects. During that struggle, police say the owner was shot in the back and he returned fire with two of his legally registered guns, striking one of the suspects. The owner suffered non-life-threatening injuries, while the suspect, who's now been identified, 
as 26-year-old Jashar Haslam of Hartford was pronounced dead at the hospital. As of right now, it seems to be it's an isolated incident. Meanwhile, the second suspect took off and East Hartford police. All right, and we're running out of time, but uh, how many times have we, has the second, has the thug's buddy stuck around to try to help his buddy? Yep, I'm out of here, buddy. <laughs> has, has that ever happened? Has the... As the other guy said, oh, I'm going to, uh, Frank, buddy, Bobby, here, I'll help you. Has that, that ever happened even once? I, I've never heard of one. All right. I challenge you to find one. I, uh, I've been doing these a long time, Producer Sue, and I've never yet, the second guy always flees and say, hey, nice knowing you. Goodbye. I'm gone. Anyway, um, we're running out of time. I want to thank the, everybody who listened uh, for giving up 30 minutes out of your busy day to listen to me ramble on. Again, you can find a lot of the things. I talked about, uh, you know, I, I tried to give you the where you can go, Reason Magazine or or Google Canadians coming to the U.S. for medical care. I uh, hope you found these. If you want more information, uh, if you want to link to any of these things, just email me at joe at jerseyjoe.com. And again, that's jersey, J-E-R-Z-E-E, -E -E, jerseyjoe.com. And I'll be happy to send you a link to any of the material. If you want to read more about the uh, the urinal issue or you want to read more about the uh, the Scottish uh, wind turbines being powered by generators. Send me an email. I'd be happy to send you uh, a story link to those. Anyway, that's all I've got. Uh, producer Sue, do you have anything you want to add? Or your trusted producer could put that stuff on their website for you. And Or my produce, my trusted producer can uh, include some of those story links on the website. All right. With that, uh, I'm done. I'll talk to you uh, next week, Producer Sue. All right. Enjoy the beautiful weather. All right. You too, Producer. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Hi. All right. Whoop, hang on.